Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? I suggest you don't worry about this sort of thing and just enjoy yourself. That goes for you all, too. Yes. Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. We're joined yet again by the great Jack Howard. Jack, how are you doing? We still haven't seen each other. This is... I mean, because I know that lockdown is starting to ease, but we haven't, at the point of recording this podcast, we haven't quite uh, been... We haven't really sort of started venturing out. Although I should say at the beginning of this that because of the subject of this podcast, by the time this podcast goes out, we might have (laughs) met each other, which is particularly, uh, you know, fitting. Because, Jack, I'll I'll pass this to you. What is the subject of this week's conversation? Um, I'm still getting over the great Jack Howard. I think that's the first time you've introduced me that way. I'm, I'm tired. It's early in the morning. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> the great Jack. Like I'm a magician. Uh, we are talking about timey-wimey movies. I basically said to Mark, I've noticed that there's just an influx of time loop movies now. It seems like everyone's just chucked the towel in and gone, we give up. There's no way we can not rip off Groundhog Day. We know it exists so we're just going to do Groundhog Day with different genres and we're just going to lean into it. And I think it's great. Pers- I'm just going to th- start this off by saying I'm obsessed with time loop movies. I think they're really great. And I think basically all of them are good. And I wanted to talk <laughs> to you about this phenomenon that seems to be happening at the moment, especially because the last year has felt like a time loop and everyone's sort of been referencing the fact that we felt like every day feels like Groundhog Day. And I think that's interesting as well that in the year that we've had, that we've had that an influx of, you know, Palm Springs came out. There was also another movie called the, the map of tiny, perfect things, long, bad title, but a pretty sweet movie. And then there's obviously lots of other films like Happy Death Day and Edge of Tomorrow. And I just wanted to talk to you about this phenomenon and okay. see what you thought about it. All right. Well, look, let's let's just define our parameters first. So okay. as far as I remember, the term timey-wimey came up uh, most... <laughs> I mean, I remember Kim Newman using it um, when we were, I think when we were working on A Secret of Cinema in which we were doing, we were talking about time travel for a, for a particular section. Mm-hmm. And Kim said that phrase about once you get into all that timey-wimey stuff, it's everything starts to fall apart. And what he meant was once you start messing around with the, you know, the kind of the, the narrative, because so much of Secrets of Cinema is about narrative. Once mm-hmm. you get into sort of messing around with narrative, I think we were specifically talking about the end of Superman, when Superman right. d- fails to save uh, Margot Kidder, but then he just goes backwards in time and then he and then he saves her and then fine. 
But so it was the same issue you had when we talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League that you were like, okay, so nothing matters then because the Flash yeah. can just turn back time. Exactly, exactly. But on the other hand, I am like you, a, a fan of the idea of time travel, although with very specific parameters. So let's begin with uh, the easy way into this, which is Palm Springs, which was essentially a riff on Groundhog Day in which uh, somebody finds themselves trapped in the same wedding, not their wedding, a wedding day that they have been at for as long as they can remember. What a great pitch for a comedy as well. Like being at a wedding, just some person you know's wedding, and that's the day you've got to live over and over again. How awful does that sound? <laughs> and he, he knows from the beginning that his, that his girlfriend's been cheating on him. He's sort of kind of become quite nihilistic about life. And then due to a... A, a plot convolution he manages accidentally to drag somebody else into the loop with him who then finds that she is not the only person in the loop with him he's also previously dragged in jk simmons who is now hunting him down <laughs> with a crossbow what the fuck is happening run rabbit run It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You, what is going on? Hey, get out of the water! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. Is that a a fair plot synopsis? Yeah, yeah, and I think what I like about it is that, like I said, we all know Groundhog Day exists, so I like that this film goes, we're going to acknowledge that Groundhog Day exists by having a character who's already in a time loop and has been stuck in it for a long time and is aware of it and is uh, you know, doing all the patterns and is aware of all the, the rhythms of the day. And we're just going to see how that, what that says about a character. Because why I think I'm obsessed with time loop movies is expressed really well in Palm Springs is that I think it plays with meta cinema without actually making it meta. It sort of reveals the mundane sort of part of a, of life. Like it sort of brings all that to the surface. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it sort of shows that there's something unchanging in a character that they need to acknowledge and they need to change. And the fact that somebody's reliving the same day over and over again just brings those themes up to the surface in a really revealing way, I think. Okay, so two things on that. Firstly, one of the reasons I think I like Palm Springs, and I wasn't the only person to note this, was, as you've kind of alluded to before, we happened to see it during lockdown when that feeling of every day being the same uh, was, I think, particularly prevalent. The second thing is that for a film which is so clearly, um, you know, riffing on, on Groundhog Day, it does two things. On the one hand, it kind of acknowledges Groundhog Day by raising a couple of philosophical points from Groundhog Day and then saying, yeah, yeah, don't, know, not them. The one thing that's strange about Palm Springs is that at no point does anyone say it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah, which, yeah. Which is, they, they go as far as they can, they like Andy Samberg saying Without it's it. one of those infinite time loop situations that you might have heard about, and her response, which is pitch perfect, is, that I, I might, might have, have heard, heard about. about. <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, right. what, he would we act, get it. what he would actually say is, it's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. Groundhog it's Day actually is, Groundhog Day. has <laughs> now become the kind of, uh, you know, the shorthand for exactly that thing. I mean, I... I enjoyed uh, Palm Springs much more than I thought I was going to, not least because 
if you see something which is so evidently aping a movie that you that you like, I mean, I really love Groundhog Day, as does everybody. Um, it's it's you always think, okay, so this is going to be nothing but a pale imitation. There's a thing called there was um a film starring um uh, James Belushi some years ago that went straight to video, and it, I believe it was called no, not James Belushi. Maybe James, but either James Belushi or Michael Keaton. I know that's a strange presentment. It was one of those two. And it was called Mr. Destiny. And it was It's a Wonderful Life, remade for the straight to video right. market. Okay. Mr. It, Destiny Mr. stars De- James Belushi. James Belushi, fine. Um, and it, I think it was around the same time as was Michael Keaton in in uh, uh, Jack Frost. No dad's yes. better. Snow dad's better than no dad. Okay, fine. So it was the. Well, hang on, was that the real? Was that the real? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Snow, uh, no dad's. No, Snow dad's better than no dad. That was actually the tagline. For I've got a poster here that says he's the wor- world's coolest dad, and he's going to prove it. They're yeah. all great. Yeah, there's just a. It's like there was a, there was a series of films uh, by Brian Usner called The Dentist, and the first Dentist, the tagline was "Say Ah," which was great. And the, se- <laughs> and the second one, there was two. There was um, there was the Dentist, you know the drill, which is the Dentist two, you know the Brilliant. drill, which is which was just. just I think we should do an entire podcast about taglines for films. Yeah. Anyway, the one for it- Back to the Future is is really bad. The one for Back was- to the Future is. He was never in time for his classes. He was never in time for his dinner. And then one day he wasn't in his time at all. Something like that. That's it's, so it's, convoluted. That's, it's so rubbish. And it's so, such a perfect film. So it's such terrible. a bad tagline. Anyway, so Mr. Anyway, Destiny. Anyway, so, no, but the point was, I there was a long loop round. Um, <laughs> Mr. Destiny was made all the more rubbish by the fact that it, that I kept, it kept reminding me that it was basically It's a Wonderful Life. In the case of uh, Palm Springs, I forgave it for not being Groundhog Day because it went its own way and because it had these, it, it was genuinely funny, but it had something which appeals to me and appeals to you, that idea about the the same thing over and over and over again. So, so what would you do with the mundanity of your days? And in the case of Groundhog Day, there's all this stuff about, you know, he learns to build ice sculptures and he learns to play the piano and he learns poetry and all that stuff. In the case of Palm Springs, it's a lot more kind of dyspeptic and sort of slightly cynical, even though obviously it follows a, a love story arc. Okay, so what is it that you love about that story? Uh, Palm Springs specifically, or, well, or time loops the, in general. The time loop story in general. It, it is basically what you've just said. The idea that something is is being um, like a magnifying glass is being put on the fact that somebody is not changing something that they need to address. Like there's something in a story always that somebody needs to grow and change, and the time loop is literally the same thing over and over again. So it's kind of yeah, putting that under a, under a microscope. Um, I also like that there's lots of different ways now that time loop movies can be adapted. So you've got Palm Springs, which is taking a much more like, like you said, cynical or or much more um, nihilistic look at life. Like, what's the point? What's the point then? And then the point is that we just enjoy it while we can. Like, I know every day is kind of the same, but why not give it have a laugh while we can? But then you've also got Edge of Tomorrow, which I rewatched recently and is just as good as I remember. Like, it's one of those movies that people hype up a lot because it didn't do particularly well at the box office, but it's become almost like a a blockbuster sort of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a niche movie. It's become like a like a cult, big blockbuster yeah, yeah. movie. Like, and, and I think it is genuinely fantastic. 
and it feels like someone's going, I'm just going to adapt a video game and make that into uh, into a movie. Like the idea that what if you what if you were a, a, a character in a video game and you did just wake up every time you died? Like what if that was just something that happened to you? And Source Code as well, I think, is a little bit like a time loop movie. I like love Source just, Code, yeah. I love Source Code as well, except I think... I wonder how you feel about this. I think the ending's wrong. Well, there the are, ending is... There are it, two it, endings, aren't there? There's the alternate... It keeps end. going. There is an alternate ending on the... Or is there an alternate? There is an alternate ending on the DVD. Okay, so two things. So firstly, in the case of um, Edge of Tomorrow, which, correct me, was was originally called Live, Die, Repeat. No, it's now... They're now trying to rebrand it as Live, Die, Repeat. Wasn't that the original title of it, though? Wasn't it originally made I'm, under the title Live, Die, Repeat? Because I think the Generation... It's ki- based on a... Uh, generation Kill. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, it's called um, All You Need Is Kill. All You Need Is Kill. Beg your pardon. Um... And then it was marketed as Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. And now it's trying to just be called Live, Die, Repeat okay. as much as possible. <laughs> but um, yes, the, 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 the appeal for you there is the kind of, is the video game character element of it that when you die, you literally just reset which obviously is something. Yeah, that- but also just narratively, it's, it's a similar thing. Like when people, because obviously it turns out in the film, spoilers for Edge of Tomorrow, slash Live, Die, Repeat, whatever you want to call it, that turns out Emily Blunt's character used to have this ability as well and then lost it. So there are people in there, in the there are characters that also know about it. So there's a scene where he turns up and the guy is literally saying, have we had this conversation before? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, this is the first time. And, and it's really fun just to see another version, another perspective on that that type of scene where somebody usually would say, we've had this conversation before, but the other, this time they've had another character say, have we had this conversation before? And then there's like a really smart shift in perspective halfway through the film as well when you think you're following tom cruise and that they're going to carry on going through this journey and maybe the time loop stuff is over and then all of a sudden we're following emily blunt's character in the house when she's like how many times have we been here and it's this really like emotional moment when you find out oh he can't figure out how to keep her alive and he's done this so many times and he's trying to find a way to make this work it's just really smart exciting storytelling like just when you think it's about to lose you it gets you again what i am about to tell you sounds crazy but you have to listen to me your very lives depend on it this is not the end you see this isn't the first time. Okay, now I think that what's going to happen is that we're going to discover that mm-hmm. we like these movies, but for two completely different reasons. So before we mm-hmm. do that, this the, the other film that you mentioned um, that I haven't seen, I've seen all the other ones you're talking about, you've mentioned a new film that's come out. Describe yep. it for me and tell me what the basic setup of it is. So um, it's called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Where is it available? It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Okay. Um, and was it was a movie that came out this year that sort of just didn't get marketed anywhere. I just randomly got recommended it by a friend of mine. If you like teen twee things, if you can stomach that, okay. <laughs> which I have a real soft spot for, like I've got, I don't know what it is about my sensibilities, but I love teenagers. I love coming of age. Big fan of John Hughes. 
and this is referencing a lot of that 80s stuff especially like it's got a back to the future element to it at the beginning um but it's a teen twee love story where similar to palm springs a guy is living the same day over and over again but he's much more optimistic about it and he's just trying to figure out what's this about but he's like an optimistic guy and then he meets a girl who is also in the time loop and she's much more cynical um and it's a really smart charming little film and there's i'm not going to say too much about it because if you do end up watching it or if anyone listening to this hasn't seen it either this is not one i want to spoil there's something that happens during the movie that isn't like whoa wow how original but it's like just an interesting way of being given a narrative it just does something that I wasn't expecting that, that just took it to an, another level for me. But yeah, I thought it was really, really sweet. Okay, so let me let me do a, a bit of sort of COD uh, psychoanalysis on this, Jack. Please. Um, it, it's in, I mean, what's interesting to me is that when you began this discussion, you said there's been a number of these films recently, okay? Mm-hmm. Yet some of the films that you're talking about, like Edge of Tomorrow, they're not really that recent, which suggests to me that what's happening is that you are that you are experiencing a love of this particular form and you're doing the thing which is that you're suddenly noticing it everywhere. I mean, for example, until you, yeah, brought, maybe, yeah. until you brought this up, it hadn't occurred to me. So I think that on the one hand, one thing that's happening is that you're, you're noticing it more, which, which, is, which is interesting because it's kind of you're looking for it. And obviously, within the last year, we've had Tenet, which isn't a time loop movie, but is a but is a movie. but it is a, in a big in a big way, yeah. It is, yeah. And one of the things that you talked about that you loved about Tenet was the more mm. you thought about it, the mm-hmm. the, the the more the the the, the, the loops and the callbacks. <laughs> were. And I remember your delight in saying that pull ups were basically the same in reverse as forward. Yeah, which and pull is, up a, is a palindrome. Yeah, exactly, which, which, which was lovely. So I think that what's happening here is that, 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 that you're looking for something which you like in, in movies, which is you know perfectly legitimate. We, we all do that all the time. And what I'm interested in is why it is that this right now is something that's so appealing to you. And the obvious thing is to say, well, look, we've all had this weird period of being stuck you know, I said through lockdown in which it does seem like we are living the same day over and over again, regardless of, you know, where we are, are particularly in our lives. But I wonder whether, is it, is there any part of this that you that you feel is kind of autobiographical? Is there any part of this that speaks particularly to you and your situation at the moment? Because I mean, I know for a fact that when I love movies, the more I think about it, the more it's like, okay, I can kind of understand why that clicks with me. And I have a long-standing love of time travel films, but also a kind of love-hate relationship with them, because sometimes they drive me nuts, which we'll talk about in relation to ghost stories in a moment. But why is it particularly, do you think, that right now this this hits such a sweet spot for you? That's such an interesting question. And I will say that I'm not going to dismiss what you said, but I do think that there has actually been an influx of them. Maybe not like recently within the last couple of years, but Edge of Tomorrow was only 2014 and Happy Death Day was 2017. Yeah, yeah. And you got Palm Springs, Edge of Tomorrow. You, you know, I think there is there has been an influx of these time loop movies recently, where people have just gone. When we're not, we have ideas for time loop movies. We know Groundhog Day exists, <laughs> we're just, <laughs> but we're just going to do them now. Yeah. Here we go. Um, is there something that I feel like in my life that mm, 
I genuinely don't know. I think it's probably what I feel is mo- most relevant is that as a here comes the wanky phrase as a filmmaker, I like what I said at the start that it sort of brings narrative um devices to the surface without telling everybody like we're we're basically just telling you like what stories are like okay. we're basically just you know and I think it's a really fun thinky way to sort of create something i wonder yes if in the in the last year i've become more sort of connected to it number <laughs> one because yes i did enjoy tenet a lot and <laughs> that that sort of thinky way of, of sort of watching something and the more that you think about it the sort of like the more enjoyable the more nourishing it kind of is but yeah you're probably right that in the last year i felt a little bit like there is something that we're on we're stuck a little bit and there's something interesting about watching somebody break that or try to break that which is why brings me back to source code the ending spoilers for people who haven't seen source code in my opinion duncan if you're listening should have been that when his life support is switched off and he's created this beautiful moment on the train because he's not sure if life is going to continue. He's made a comedian get everybody to laugh and he's kissed the love of his life or whatever. And then time freezes in that moment and we pull back in this beautiful captured, almost like painting of just everybody in their final moments feeling happy. And then it should cut to black in this sort of weird, bittersweet, Inception-esque, did it carry on? Did is that Was that it? But unfreezes and keeps going and then almost it doesn't set up a sequel quote unquote but it feels almost like sequel bait like oh there could be another one there could be another reality like this machine works better than you ever thought it could like i don't care about the machine i care about i care about jake gyllenhaal (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's what i want to be left with i want to be left with this like weird ambiguity of of it and there's something about that that i find very interesting as well i haven't i haven't got quite got the answers i think a really really interesting question that you've asked me and i wish i could be more succinct about what it is that i think is is grabbing me about these concepts but i even put them into my own stuff as well i literally like i've made stuff recently in the last few months that has been time loop inspired so it's definitely having an effect in some way maybe i'll figure it out one day this is becoming a therapy session for me (laughs) hey well you know as we we know all cinema is in 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 a way a kind of form of therapy i think um I, i think whenever whenever people ask about you know horror films you know why people like horror films you go well it's just a way of working things out you know it's something that works for you so look here here's here's what's what's interesting um i have a long-standing interest in in time travel in movies not least because movies are a form of time travel you can play them over and over and over again we now live in an age in which you know when i was a kid you saw a movie once and you'd go back and see it at the cinema three or four days later if you were lucky but but the experience of seeing something the same and since cinema is so close to memory the experience of memory there is a weird time travel thing involved in film. You know, you're kind of controlling the flow of time by rerunning that's the film. That's what I think is beautiful about how Christopher Nolan did build Tenet. Like, he built it so that you could travel in time and experience it differently, even though it's the same. Yeah. And I know that he's not the first to do that. But there is something really... You're right. There's something beautiful about that in cinema. But for me, I think the key thing about time travel movies is... Uh, 
is to do with you can travel in time, but you can't change things. So I'll, expl- I'll explain this in a kind of long-winded way. Kurt Vonnegut is one of my favourite authors, and Kurt Vonnegut talks about time travel um, in the stories of Billy Pilgrim and Slaughterhouse-Five. And one of the things that he does is he talks about um, the way in which the Tralfamadorians, who are an alien race, perceive time. This ties in incidentally to arrival and uh, which of course is you know yeah which is a, which is a masterpiece and also the story it's based on is a masterpiece which draws very heavily on Kurt Vonnegut and the central character discovers that the Tralfamadorians don't look at time in a single way the Tralfamadorians describe our experience of time as being in a car on a railway track moving forward looking down a drain pipe the only thing you can see is the thing ahead of you and what the Tralfamadorians do is that they can look all around they can see all around and uh, uh, the, the hero says that's amazing I mean so so you can stop you know wars and everything and they go no no we have the same wars that you do we just we just perceive it differently and the key thing was we look at time differently but it doesn't change time now for me one of the great time travel stories is um, Chris Marker's La Jete, which, of course, is the centre of uh, 12 Monkeys, which is technically a, a remake of La Jete, and also refers back to Hitchcock's Vertigo. And when we were doing uh, Secrets of Cinema, we talked about how that idea of, of time travel is kind of embodied in that triptych of movies. But what's key about it is that it is... It's a story that begins and ends with somebody witnessing the moment of their own death. They see themselves at the moment of their death. And the thing is a loop. And everything that happens in the loop, or maybe a loop or a figure eight, everything that happens in the loop has to keep happening exactly the same way. And in 12 Monkeys, the idea is that somebody is sent back from the future into the past in order to discover the outbreak of a virus, which incidentally is all very kind of weird at the moment. Um, But when they're back in the past, they discover that they're a psychiatric patient who may be just suffering delusions that everything they knew about in the future was, and then they keep getting dragged back into the future. And they're being sent back in order to, to find out the source of the virus so that so that there can be a you know a solution to it but what actually happens is that they realize that as as with, as with la jete and as to some extent with the the plot of vertigo that you're 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 trapped in something that that is a contained loop now this ties into ghost stories for me like for example you think of something like the amazing mr blondon which is a film i absolutely love which is based on a novel uh, called the ghosts in which two children move into a house that is haunted by the ghost of somebody who years and years ago failed to prevent a tragedy. And they become friends with these two characters who they then realise are ghosts. And what they are constant, they're constantly drawn back into the past and they are being led towards doing something that will prevent the tragedy from happening. Okay. But what's, seems to be happening is that this inevitable set of events is playing out you know you know that there was a fire you know that this thing happened and the thing that i love about that story is because i'm i i think i'm slightly fatalistic is the idea that you're in something that is preordained okay this is the, this is this is the arc of a story you you can't get out of it no matter what you do and for me the very best time traveling movies are the time traveling movies or stories in which somebody somebody goes back 
or goes forward in an attempt to change something. And realises that they can't. Not only realises that they can't, but realises that by doing so, they are actually part of the story that they didn't know, but that already existed. So the great kind of culmination is... Have you seen the Ethan Hawke movie Predestination? Yes. (laughs) So the the great thing is, you know, no matter what you do, even if the thing that you're doing is going back to change the thing that happened... In doing it, you are already mm-hmm. part of it, and there is nothing that can be changed about it. And that idea, Jack, appeals to me. And I, I, I agree. Please, no, no. And I, and I think the more I think about it, the more I think it appeals to me because it sort of seems to speak to a fundamental truth, which is mm-hmm. things are what they are. And in the words of Neil, "What's happens happened." <laughs> But, I agree. I think it's about not to interrupt or to cut you off. No, go ahead. For, for me, it's about like not always trauma, but moments of trauma or upset or grief or whatever. You wish you could go back and change something and do it differently, but those moments happened and there's nothing you can do to change it. You have to accept it and move on. You can't, which is ultimately what I was originally disappointed by Tenet for, is because I thought, ah, it's a person who wants to travel in time and go back and change something. Obviously, it's going to be about this thing in the way that Inception, as I've said before, is a secret therapy movie. But it wasn't that for the protagonist, but it is for Kat in Tenet. Like her moment of trauma, she goes back and realizes that she also is the person jumping off the boat whilst also being on the boat, whatever. But grand point i agree i like that's something that really appeals to me as well is that you have to accept that these things happened in your life and nothing can change that now the the on the other side of that the thing that bothers me about time travel stories is the the ability to go back in time and change things or to go forward because firstly the standard answer to all of the kind of conundrums which we we will always come back to you know Austin Powers you know I, I suggest you don't worry about it and looking to the audience and, I suggest and that goes you, for you all too that's right which yes. is which is still to this day the kind of bottom line of all time travel things is that as Basil Exposition says just I, I wouldn't worry about it too much um, and of course that you know that is do you want a time travel movie or not yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. If you're if you're in the market for this, this is where we are. But firstly, so let's go back to Superman because I know that you know this is something that 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 you know a movie that 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 we've both seen and enjoyed. But I hate the end of Superman, the Richard Donner Superman. I hate. Isn't the, it Superman Two where he does? No, that? no, no. It's Superman, the first is Superman. It? Yep, very is first it? Superman. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Um, he may do it again, but at the end of Superman, um, he fails to stop Margot Kidder's uh, character being killed. Lois Lane dies. And he is so enraged that he jumps up into the air and he flies around the world contrapuntly because the world seems to stop revolving and goes back on its axis. And he goes back just far enough to set it right. Okay? I hate that ending. Because it's, yeah, me too. Because it's like, to quote Kathy Bates, he didn't get out of the cock duty car. I'm sorry. You cannot do that. You cannot have that happen. And then, and we talked about this in relation to the to the to, to the Snyder cut. Of, of yeah. Justice so, so my my feeling is that my my opinion is you can do that if there's like an established sort of like if you plant the seeds in the story, you can do what you want. Like, I like the fact that Martin McFly 
saves Dot Brown's life yes. because he goes back to 1955 and gives him a letter. And then when we saw him get shot at the beginning, he already, we assume, I don't know, there's different timelines, whatever. <laughs> like we assume that he was already wearing a bulletproof vest. Yep. Like I like that because yep. the seed's planted. Yep. But Superman just going, I know, <laughs> I'll turn back time. That's like, that's like just the most bullshit thing that someone's typed in. Like, oh, well, how do we get out of yeah, this time Jack, travel? Jack also makes you think, and you didn't do that before? Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, now, but... Up until now, not. Why? You know, why? <laughs> why not again? Yeah, why not again? So there's that, okay. Then that that then gets answered by, oh, well, multiple worlds. You know, there are multiple worlds. There's a world in which this happened, then there's a world in which that happened. And actually, we have seen some quite interesting films in which there are two versions of the same world, the kind of sliding doors thing. But, you know... Okay, there's there's a version of the world in which somebody died. There's a version of the world in which they didn't yeah, die. Alternate and, reality things feel yeah. like a like a an alternate version of a time yeah. travel thing, which I enjoy. But 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 crucially, as soon as you get into that, you get into all the logical thing. The logical thing being, if time travel exists, then we'd already know about it because it already exists. Okay, so if the if it, you know if someone's got a time machine, then we already know about it because no matter what point in the future or past it happens, then it's already happened. So fine point number one point number two the butterfly effect which bothers the life out of me which is that you know you go back and you you know you can change some stuff but not other stuff because everything has an effect yeah like everything has an effect so don't pretend that you can go back and just do a little bit but it's okay because you didn't dislodge that just try much. not to interact with anybody so if you if you disturb any, anything anything, <laughs> anything at all you weren't supposed to be there <laughs> so the only way that that story can work for me without my brain going no 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 sorry not having it not having it which it does and it really bothers me that it does there's only two ways that it can work either that it's comedic that we have the basil exposition and i suggest you don't worry about it and then we're doing that fine or that it's every single thing that you do you have already done that you you you've going back in time to do it has already happened and if that and if that doesn't happen i just go so you like you like singular timeline stuff where you're not aware that you were the person who was like so for example I think a really good example of that type of yeah. uh, time travel is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban mm-hmm. which I think is re- it was actually I think my introduction I think I saw it as a kid yeah. before I'd seen Back to the Future the best so one. probably was the without a doubt the best one easily the best one yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that was probably the inception of my love for this type of time wimey timey-wimey narrative interesting choice of word inception there as well but thank you um but yeah like in that you've got moments throughout where you think one thing has occurred and then it's revealed later that for example like book bookbeat getting his head cut off turns out that they'd already got rid of him or like a pebble being thrown through a window and then there's a really lovely one which is that harry believes that his dad is going to be there to save him. And then it turns out it wasn't his dad. It was him, him the entire... And he saved himself. Yeah, and like, that's... I mean, I'm just getting shivers talking about that That type of... How can you not love that type of narrative? Because yeah. it's just about self-care. It's literally just about 
being able to look after yourself. I've literally got an idea that I've never, ever been able to figure out how to execute it called me from the past that the tagline would be look after yourself. Like (laughs) it it would literally be about how you from the past would end up time traveling to the present. Somehow I have no idea how you do that, but like, I love those ideas. Like, and what you said, like the idea that it had to have happened that way the first time it has to have always happened that way. Otherwise, but how do like then you end up with the ending of Back to the Future, which I say is the weakest part, which is that didn't that guy excuse me, trigger warning, didn't that guy try and rape you and now he's fucking cleaning your car and it's the eighties, so I guess financial success means happiness. Well you know you know of course that um uh sorry, forgive my old brain, uh name of the actor who plays um uh Marty Woodfly's dad, um Chris Crispin Glover. Crispin, Crispin Glover, thank you. So Crispin Glover um, has always held that one of the reasons that he's not in Back to the Future 2, although his character is in Back to the Future 2, but it's not him, mm-hmm. they used outtakes of him and then they used a, a body double and that's why the stuff was yeah, yeah, standing yeah. on his head. He's got, he's, got an old, he's got old makeup on, yeah, so you, exactly. people might not even know that yeah. it's not Crispin Glover. So one of the reasons that he holds that he is not in it is because he always argued that the end of Back to the Future with the car is wrong. His argument was his parents are together and that's the reward. Yeah. And the whole thing about now open the garage and there's the great big car was completely... And there's some cocaine in it. Yeah, but he's right. <laughs> Enjoy. He's yeah, right. he's right. That is, that is the weirdest aged bit in all of Back to the Future is the fact that at the end he just gets to have like you know capitalism wins like do you know what yeah, i mean it's, it's, it's such it's su- and also it's such a weird thing because it's such a grotesque car it's not just he's got yeah, a car yeah he's got a car that actually makes me hate him because it's yeah. like yeah i would um, hate i would hate my yeah. fly for driving that you've gone from being the kid skateboarding to school and you know pulling on the back of the truck and all that kind of stuff you've gone from that to this now you are a wanker you've gone from the power of love to Trump supporter. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what's happened. So it's an unhappy ending. You know, yes, your parents are together, but they're horrible. They're Trump voting horrors. Even this is the age before Trump. This is when Trump was in Home Alone 2 or whatever it one when he was in. So yeah, no, that... that re- I mean, Back to the Future 2 has a parody of Trump in it. Which, well, Biff is absolutely yeah. a parody of Trump. Yes, and, and, and absolutely based on Trump as well. <clears throat> but, okay, so, so that, you know, that kind of... That we, that needles me, but also the other thing that I love is the idea of that you try and do something to prevent something happening, and in trying to prevent it happening, you cause it to happen, which is again the perfect kind of timeline loop which we see in so, so many. And I love that because I again I love that idea of if you hadn't tried in the first place. It would never have happened. It's the Oracle in The Matrix saying, what's really going to bake your noodle later is, would you have broken it if I hadn't said anything? Uh, well, you know, also, while, while we're on great lines, the best line from uh, uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which I think we both agreed is, is, is the best movie, is when they follow... It's just the best movie. It's, it's not the, the best, best Harry Potter. It's just the best movie. Is when they follow themselves and Hermione says, is that really what my hair looks like from behind? Which I still yeah. think is one of the most perfect... Um, encapsulations of that idea of the magnitude of time travel, but also the tiny 
incidental yeah, detail. The little it. details, the thing yeah. That she the minutia. Is that really what my hair looks like? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's it's a great line. You're right because it's it's sort of it's thrown away and it's such a passive thing. But really, it's like oh, this is a different perspective on yourself that you usually don't get. It's yeah. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let me ask you, what was the first time travel movie that you remember being struck I mean I grew up with Doctor Who so for me you know Doctor Who the whole point was he could go anywhere and do anything but there was a sort of rule that he probably shouldn't be he probably shouldn't be intervening too much although he kind of did anyway but so what was the first time travel you know entertainment that really captured your imagination <laughs> I'm really going to show my age okay. By saying this, that you, I don't think you're going to have heard of this. There's a Disney Channel original show called That's So Raven. Have you heard of this show? I haven't, no. Okay, so it starred an actress called Raven Simone. It was uh, the thing I used to watch after school, and she would have visions of the future. Right. And that was the concept of the show, really, is that she was she had this power where she saw visions of the future. She didn't know what they were, and they would like almost glimpses of things rather than in complete a complete picture but she'd see, see like a shattered vase or something like that okay. and be like oh i have to stop that from happening and like you say by trying to stop it from happening she yeah. ends up causing the thing okay and that's every episode <laughs> that's it that's literally the plot Every every single episode is there's a smashed vase or insert thing here that is going to happen. Raven is going to try and stop it. That is to me was the first. That's when you ask me. That's the first one that comes to mind. But genuinely, I think the first time traveling movie that I saw was probably Prisoner of Azkaban, where I walked out. I still remember being in Showcase Cinemas in Nottingham and coming out of uh, the screen and being like, "Wow." movies like oh so clearly that woke something up in my head and i had the exact same reaction to that when i saw arrival because obviously you don't know that arrival is about time when you're watching it the first time (laughs) and i was with my friend daniel and he'd already seen it uh and was excited to see it again and when i when the moment when the penny dropped about what was going on i literally grabbed him and shook him and was like it's about time (laughs) and i don't know i don't know what it is but it just tickles my pickle is there something in me that if you do that 
you've you've kind of, I'm sold. Well, and the fact that the Tiny Perfect Things is both coming of age and timey wimey. That's basically made for me. But okay, but isn't the reason why Arrival is probably the best of these uh, films is because what it does is it's it's as I said, it comes back to that Kurt Vonnegut thing. It's not about time. It's not about t- traveling in time. It's about the way in which you perceive time. And of course, when you watch Arrival the second time round, you realize that right from the beginning, it actually tells you exactly what it's about. Because yeah, when does. she does that it's opening monologue, you it, she's she's pretty much telling you everything about. It uses the language of cinema to betray you, and it is brilliant. I used to think this was the beginning of your story. Memory is a strange thing. It doesn't work like I thought it did. We are so bound by time, by its order. And the and and one of the reasons that I love it as much as I do is because it's a film about accepting and embracing tragedy. Yep. Um, because the because the central conundrum at it, and I'm you know without spoiling it in case somebody hasn't seen it, is it's not about preventing tragedy. It's about asking whether if you know that something has a tragic outcome, would you do it anyway? And, and answering positively, yes. And, yeah. and, 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 it, and not having everything colored by, by the outcome of something. And, and I think that one of the reasons that that works so well is that it takes the idea of time travel because the film itself is a sort of time travel film in 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 the way that it tells its story, and I mean you see time travel in movies all the time. Like for example, I, I watched a movie recently called Servants. Something happens at the beginning of it, and then it says 143 days earlier. Oh, that's time travel. You know, you it's you know this and then that, and that's not you know uh, cinema. Well, I think uh, any, all films do it. Yeah, that's it's it's, like, it's it's part of the medium of storytelling. But the genius of Arrival is that the story is the story would make complete sense in a linear fashion but the way in which the story is told is about the way in which you perceive individual moments of time as not necessarily being and this is why the whole thing about the alien language being circular being I also circle. love the idea that as you learn the language of the aliens you start to see the world in the way that they see it and and the, and the trick and I'll I'm this is a true story. When I was, uh, when I was, you know, nineteen or twenty, I was in Manchester, and I was became really obsessed with a desire to travel in time, largely a desire to, you know, to to go back and change things because it's you know, it's part of my personality. I just, you know, live with a sense of regret about everything that I've ever done. And there was a bookshop in Manchester, which was a, a um, like a kind of alternative bookshop. It sold, you know, Marxist texts and, uh, you know, feminist texts. And, you know, anyway, there was a book in there called, uh, not, I'm not making this up, you can probably still find it called... How to Travel in Time? Called Practical Time Travel. Okay. Right. Okay. And it was, and you look at the back and it was a guide to practical time travel. And this was around the same time that people were kind of quite interested in astral planes, you know, that, you, well, you can't do, well, you, you know, just go to an astral plane, it will work. And I, I remember buying this book, knowing full well 
I mean, okay, I'm not completely stupid. I am somebody who is perhaps, you know, infinitely optimistic, but not completely stupid. Buying this book... If someone had figured out how to time travel, it's not going to be me finding this book. <laughs> no, but, but what it, what the whole thing about the book is you're travelling in time all the time. It's just not the way you think it is, which is the rubbish answer, because the rubbish answer is no. I, but, but this book was called Practical Time Travel. It's got the front cover of it. I can still remember, I've still got it somewhere. It's like a picture of a bird flying over, over the earth. And uh, and it says on the back, you know, yeah, you know, time travel is real and it's practically possible. Now, of course, if that had been a movie, I would have taken that book home and read it. And it's like, you know, the the machine in big suddenly making you big. It would the thing would have happened, and I actually would have been able to practically travel in time. But I <laughs> actually bought a book called Practical Time Travel in the hope beyond hope nonsensical wish fulfillment that I don't know somehow. There's something very, especially because you'd say that you were 19 or 20 at the time. Like, oh, yeah, I was growing up. That urge yeah. to, but that, but still, I'm saying that, no, 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 no. I don't mean like, <laughs> I don't mean like, what a stupid thing for a 19 year old to do. I mean, at that age, <laughs> at that age to have what you said, like being filled with regret and saying that you wish you could go back and change things at that age is um, pretty intense. Well, yeah, but you know, when you when you're nineteen, twenty, everything is pretty intense. You want to change everything. <laughs> yeah, you want to change everything. Everything you hear is the most important record you'll ever hear, and every film you let, you, you know, it's it's uh, again. This comes back to this comes back to portal theory. So, all right, so let's draw this to a conclusion. Um, in the following, firstly, wh- what do you think is your favourite time travel film? Well, Back to the Future is my favourite film of all time. So, okay, fine. With, with so without a doubt that but that's that's always like a non-answer like so that's over there um what do i think it is um i don't actually i like <laughs> i like all of them <laughs> i genuinely think arrival is probably the best you one. can't like, like all in of terms them of, jack you, there must be bad I, ones you can't just like all I, time but travels. in terms of what i want to sort of the, the sort of the time loop thing we didn't speak about looper either which i think has an interesting question at the center of it as well which is that that if you could go back and kill baby hitler yeah would you yes and everyone's like yeah of course i would and then you get given the opportunity in looper to to do that and it's a child. You know, um, Ryan Johnson says an and- interesting thing about Looper, because um, I interviewed mm. him a couple of times. Um, it's not like we're friends or anything, but I interviewed him a couple of times <laughs> and he said this thing. He said the lesson that he learned from Looper was audiences will like Bruce Willis regardless of what he does. <laughs> and it was it was a really interesting point because obviously there are, there are, there are very strong connections yeah. between Looper and Twelve Monkeys. But his point was if you're going to sell that idea about somebody going back and you know about some of the stuff which happens in Looper because Looper is a dark film and it's got it some really grim stuff in it. But he said the thing they discovered was Bruce Willis can do anything and audiences will still side with him. Because he's Bruce Willis, which was, <laughs> I thought was a really kind of revelatory thing. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the way he acts in uh, press junkets. Bruce Willis doesn't seem like a a, a good bloke, but uh, I still like him in movies. Uh, Yes. He can. <laughs> what, what, what about you? What, what's what's the time travel movie or time loop movie that stands out? Well, I think the I think the best one is Arrival because I just think it's such a perfect adaptation of that Ted Chiang story. And of course, it's, what's really fascinating is that if you go back and read the story, 
you realise how cleverly that film is adapting that story. Because when you read it, it you think this is this would be hard to do on film. Um, so there's that. There's The Amazing Mr. Blunden, which is a ghost story with a time travel element in which there's there are two time things playing out together. Although it, Amazing Mr. Blunden does break my my rule because it does manage to change the past. And that, I think that's really fascinating. But then I would say there is there is something absolutely majestically brilliant about 12 monkeys and the question with 12 monkeys i'm going to rewatch 12 monkeys i haven't seen it since i was in university so it's sort of very foggy in my mind yeah and i think that that triptych vertigo la jete and 12 monkeys between them do represent the kind of lodestone of time travel in cinema in in the ways in which it can be represented as memory or as fate or as actual time travel or as delusion and they're all concerned with that similar thing about you know that the scene in vertigo which is always you know about you know this is this is where i was and this is when i died and this is you know the kind of the, the past life the ghost life. And, and, and of course particularly with vertigo it's interesting because it it is a ghost story at least until it kind of reveals itself there is an element you know it's a it's a it's a story of haunting and i love ghost stories i love ghost stories you know above almost all other sort of forms of horror and chiller fiction, because again, it's that idea about the Maybe past we should the- do a podcast about that then, since you did my timey-wimey suggestion. Maybe oh, we should well, do a yeah, ghost, no, I'd, ghost I would, story one. Yeah, I'd happily, I'd happily do that. Happily do ghost stories, because I just, you know, I, I do love ghost stories. But I think, I do think that Arrival is something exceptional. I know it kind of seems, it, it seems like a cop-out to choose a, a fairly, a comparatively recent film, but Arrival is so... It just doesn't put a foot wrong. It just does not mm-hmm. put a is, foot it wrong. It is a masterpiece. And you have to see it twice. In every sense. Yeah. And that's the thing is, yeah, you do. And and that's the thing I would, I would say about Source Code as well, is that like the concept and the performance and stuff, everything about it is like delicious. But then there's like elements of it that I think, you know, apart from the ending, like the score I think is not great in source code. I think that it's the wrong score. Okay. It feels like weirdly old fashioned. And what the thing that I think the Denis Villeneuve does really well is that he's modernized all of this stuff. Like even when he did Blade Runner, it doesn't feel like he's doing old Blade Runner. It feels like the way that Blade Runner would have aged by 30 years. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he's modernised the way that it looks, the way that uh, it sounds, like all of it. It's got like a distinct feeling to it, but it feels like a modern movie. And that's the same with Arrival as well, as it feels like he's just got really like interesting new artists to to make this stuff. And obviously Johan Johansson's beautiful score. Um, it's, a, it's a, such a shame that he's no longer with us. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't know what the main point of that was. Is that I, I genuinely just think that Denis Villeneuve is amazing. <laughs> All right. Um, I I also would say as well that like if you can stomach it, everybody, if you can stomach twee teen stuff, I would recommend the pla- uh, the, the the map of tiny perfect things, and also the Ethan Hawke film Predestination okay. is 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 very much worth a watch. It's it's. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say that everybody will like it, but it's it's certainly worth. Also uh, interesting worth your time. that we we, we did time. But also interesting that we didn't do Donnie Darko, which I think is you know. A, a, you oh know, my god! Yes, I mean a, a, a great. And in fact, I've watched Donnie Darko again recently. Although I was still, 
I, I will hold this every time. The, orig- the, the originally released version of Donnie Darko is infinitely superior yep. to the director's cut, which... J- j- yeah. without, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's wrap this up in timey-wimey fashion. You're going to have to help me with this. Okay, so uh, <laughs> thank you for being about to listen to this Kermode on Film podcast. I, Very good. I will have been joined by, by Jack Howard. If you're going the to enjoy Jack it, Howard. remember that you've told your friends... Um, <laughs> you have already you've already followed us on Twitter you've already followed us on Twitter and subscribed and we know that you've enjoyed the Patreon page and um, you will become you will fall into the habit of watching the skies and we've already made the next podcast which you've already heard already hello <laughs> <laughs> You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you're going to be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? I suggest you don't worry about this sort of thing and just enjoy yourself. That goes for you all, too. Yes. Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. We're joined yet again by the great Jack Howard. Jack, how are you doing? We still haven't seen each other. This is, I mean, because I know that lockdown is starting to ease, but we haven't, at the point of recording this podcast, we haven't quite uh, been, we haven't really sort of started venturing out, although I should say. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.